coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing Podcast. The guy that picked me up, he goes, they just canceled. You were not allowed to, we're not allowed to do this thing in Canada tonight. I was like, holy cow, what's going on? This is real, isn't it? He's like, yeah. He goes, we're actually going to take you straight to the airport, the Calgary airport, put you in a hotel, and you're going to wait for a flight to get out of Canada. They're kicking you out. I was like, whoa. I remember I sat in Calgary for two days, and then I caught, I was one of only two people on a flight from on Delta to uh, Seattle, and then kind of worked my way back to Idaho Falls. Jeff Courier sharing an experience from the beginning of COVID and the end of international travel. Welcome to Travel, where it's all about the journey we are all on in fly fishing and in life. This is our chance to take a deep dive into a specific area around the country so you have a better feel for the people, the resources, and the community that make this part of the country so unique. Before we jump into it with Jeff today, let's share the love with our traveled sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Eastern Idaho's Yellowstone Teton Territory, Idaho's most renowned zone for fly fishing. From the Henry's Fork to the South Fork of the Snake and all the high alpine lakes and streams in between, Yellowstone Teton Territory provides anglers and other outdoor enthusiasts with all the information they need to plan their next big trip. You can visit wetflyswing.com slash Teton right now to get the full list of outfitters, lodges, fly shops, and all kinds of inspiration to get you started on your next trip to Eastern Idaho. That's Teton, T-E-T-O-N, wetflyswing.com slash Teton. This week on travel, we have Jeff Courier, who is one of the most well-known travelers in fly fishing. Jeff has been traveling the world and has caught over 400 species on the fly. And today, Jeff takes us into his life in eastern Idaho and the great rivers he's fished around this part of the country. Time to experience the road less traveled. Here we go. Jeff Courier from jeffcourier.com. How are you doing today, Jeff? Doing really good. How about you, Dave? Good. Good. It's great to have you back on the show. It's been, I was looking back, episode 65, which was a few years ago now. We're we're approaching 400, so we're going to get an update on what you have going, it's been you know a few years here, and you've we've gone through COVID now, so we've had all that put in behind us, and you know we're doing this new series now on traveled, where we're we're focusing on some you know traveling with the focus on Eastern Idaho. So this is a pretty cool chance because you are probably the most well known traveler you know out there in the space. But um, but take us back real quick. Sixty five, I think was what was it three? I think it was twenty nineteen. So. Um, what's been going on with you, uh, I guess maybe other than COVID in, in the last since then? Yeah, well, obviously COVID changed my life. I mean, it yeah. changed a lot of people's for me it was big time because, you know, I'm out there doing the presentations all, all year and that came to an end for me for 18 months, which kind of gave me a little time to, to look at my life in Idaho. And, you know, I fished around home for, for a year and a half more than I had in, 25 years so it was it was really cool really cool and uh, probably spent as much time on the henry's fork you know up on the ranch as i probably did Mm -hmm. when i was like 21 years old which was you know we're talking like 30 or 40 days so it was a very very cool time even though at the same time it it was killing my business Mm -hmm. but you know that's that's life it was the same for everybody so it wasn't like i was you know too bummed about it It it's fun to, to have that angle of life but then the weird thing is uh you know, then all of a sudden this housing crisis started and um, people started moving into, you know, eastern Idaho and Teton Valley and stuff. And 
somebody wanted to buy our house. And uh, we had joked about moving, you know, the last 10 years because, you know, I actually met my wife in northern Wisconsin going to college. And we love it there. We have a lot of friends there. And we often joked about going back, but we never thought it would really happen. Would we leave the mountains? Would I leave the Henry's Fork? But, uh, you know, we had this opportunity to sell our house at a, at a good price and then maybe go to Wisconsin and, and buy a house at a lot less money and have more time to fish together and do cool stuff. Uh, it happened. That's basically what we did. We, we sold our house last October, which would be 2021. And, uh, I bought a sweet van. I've done nothing but drive old cars my whole life. You know, still got my 1991 Explorer. It's still my favorite vehicle, but uh, nice. we went right out with uh, some of our house money and bought a brand new, not a Sprinter van, but one of the Dodge Ram uh, little tiny vans. Oh, yeah. yeah, we lived out of it all the way till about uh, May 9th last year, uh, or actually into this year. And that's when we bought our house in Wisconsin. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you picked up one of those van. I mean, basically, it looks like a Sprinter van, but it's just a little. Um, it's uh, what, what? It's just a different brand, right? But it's the same sort of style. Exactly. We got the, the shortest, smallest one, a seventeen foot, and uh, basically just got a double burner stove in there and a sink if we want it, and a really nice bed, and plenty of places to store my fish and stuff. Nice, nice. And you guys are settling in Wisconsin. What's that like? Is there a big change between Wisconsin and, and Idaho? Oh yeah, it's. Uh, Obviously, a little flatter, though it's not, you know, people joke about, oh, you're moving to the flatlands. Where we live, we're in Hayward, which is uh, about 55 miles south of Lake Superior. We actually wanted to be in Lake Superior because um, I love the Great Lakes. But it didn't work out. It was hard to find a house here, too. And we ended up in Hayward by accident. And we love it. It's uh, very rolling hills here. Uh, we have a, an amazing river that comes through town. It's called the, the Namakagan. And it's actually one of those, you know, scenic waterways. But upstream from town is really fabulous trout fishing. Got out there just a few times because the season's early. So I kind of missed a lot of the the April uh, and early May part of it. But fished in June. It was great. And then south of town, there's a lake that it's, you know, a dam on the river through town here. But south of it is uh, great musky walleye and pike fishing. So it's pretty cool. There you go. Something that's... Uh... Does Idaho have much uh, of that musky kind of walleye pike? They don't. Very little. Up north, there's some pike, uh, which was a long way from, you know, where I lived in eastern Idaho, but mm-hmm. not really. And I, I didn't mention that the smallmouth fishing here is incredible. That is something that Idaho is starting to have a lot of, that that Snake River below American Falls is incredible smallmouth fishing. Oh, right. That's it. So Eastern Idaho doesn't have all the species, but it's got the, the smallmouth pretty uh, dialed in. It does. It really does. Which is right. You're, you're one of your favorite species still, right? It is. I still love my smallies. So I'm in heaven here and I do miss that lower snake, but I'll get back. You know, since I've moved here, I've been back to Idaho twice this year to see friends. I fished the Jackson Hole one fly. Oh, nice. And I'm sure I'll always do that. Yeah, that's right. The one fly. So that one fly is still going on strong. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's ever going anywhere. It's. I think they broke their record on raising money for the rivers back there this year. Nice. Yeah, I forgot about the one fly. So, so that basically they raise money in that event to support kind of local rivers conservation, that sort of stuff. They do, but they go beyond local. They take on some big projects around the country as well. Right on. Nice. And, you know, I think last time in 365, you know, a few years ago, we you were like at 400, right? The species, I think you're close to 400. You broke it. How, how's that look? Are you still, I mean, obviously COVID took out a few years there, but are you still 
focusing on that as we kind of pull out of this thing, COVID, and, and look into the future? Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to target 500. I didn't think it would be possible, but uh, I'm at about pretty close to 440 now. Uh-huh. And uh, now I've actually, uh, it's time to kick back and create a list of the fish species I have not caught and then right. go out and start targeting because this past year I actually knocked off a few real nemesis for me. Uh, two weeks ago, I was down in Mexico and finally got my striped marlin, which is not necessarily a super hard fish. I mean, you got to be on the water to get them. But mm-hmm. for some reason, that thing just gave me trouble. But I knocked him off. And then last spring, <laughs> I got I was working in the Seychelles and got a real nice milkfish, which was another oh, one that had been yeah. giving me trouble. Nice. There you go. So, so you got this rolling in 500. So in a normal, um, I don't know, is this like a few years to get to that 500? How long do you think it'll take you? It could take about 10. Oh, it could. Yeah, yeah. you gotcha. It's hard to find stuff to catch now. So I'm going to literally have to make a list and then start doing some oddball stuff. Gotcha. Wow. So out of those, that, that list. So how many are the normal, I mean, you've been, probably been getting some oddball ones, but out of the 440, you know, how many of those are ones that are kind of doable for like the normal person that can travel? And then how, how many are the crazy, like you got an extreme? Oh, I would say like a hundred of them are probably crazy extreme, meaning like, for instance, gold bus here, you have to go to India or the Himalayas to catch, and then they're hard to catch even when you get there, despite the fact that they're there. And then there's so many random, like, oddball, lucky catches. I guess the most recent would be um, when I was at Providence Atoll in Seychelles back in April. I was hosting a yellow dog trip, but I caught a fish called the uh, Big-Eyed Emperor. And uh, it's kind of funny because as the, the host, I was staying out of the way of my guests. I had, you know, you have three people in the boat there. And usually you jump out the three of you walk the flats, but we were, we were anchored up on a spot because it was a good place for big GTs to come by. And both my guests wanted to fish GT. So I was just kind of chilling out in the middle of the boat and uh, I could see down about eight feet below. And there were these really large, interesting looking fish zipping around the coral heads. And uh, I was like, wow, this looks like some kind of weird, you know, reef fish. Have you ever caught one of those? And Tim looked over and he said, I don't even know what they are, Curry. No, we've never caught them. So I said, <laughs> well, I think why these guys are waiting for fish, I'm going to try to nymph one up. So I broke out my nine weight, and uh, Tim had a cool algae fly that had a little weight to it. So I basically was, it was like I was European nymphing over this coral head, uh, <laughs> trying to get these fish, and, and lo and behold, one ate it. Wow. And uh, I don't know how I landed him, to be honest with you, because he was trying to get into the coral, but you know, my nine weight, and I think I was using straight 20 pound tests. I was able to get him in. Yeah. And, uh, so like, that's a fish, another one that's like, I don't think too many people are going to catch that yeah. that fish ever. It was right. just a weird situation and I made it happen by luck. Gosh. And what was that fish called? The big eyed emperor. Oh, right. Big eyed emperor fish. Yeah. So if you were to Google that with my name, you'd see the picture because we got some really great photos of it. Oh, good. Just a cool looking, interesting fish. Cool. Yeah. I'll put some uh, links to those photos in the show notes or to your website and stuff. So, so good. What, what's that like on the hosted? So you, you sounds like you do some hosted trips mixing in with other stuff. Do you, you know, you've got the clients on the boat. I mean, do you find that you get a few opportunities or, or how does that look with your hosted trips you've done? Well, the way I do them now is, uh, I really just do one a year. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. I did two in this last year. Um, and I really only do the Seychelles. I really, really off the wall, far away stuff. Basically places that I can't go on my own if I'm not 
finding some avenue to work. And yeah. uh, I do it through Yellow Dog. You know, I don't like to deal with all the paperwork and the logistics on my own. So it's great for me. They do all that for me. And then I actually just work with the guests on their fishing and then take them over there. That's cool. And, uh, I got That's a good cool. tribe. I've got people who've gone all over with me for years. So it's, it's very little work for me. We just go and have a good time together. Yeah, that's awesome. That is the thing about Yellow Dog, right? Uh, is that they just pretty much, you come in there and they do it all for you. There's not much else to do. They take you, what, pack your gear and then everything else is kind of squared away? Yep, it's that easy. And actually now Yellow Dog practically packs your gear if you want because they just bought a fly shop in Bozeman. <laughs> oh, wow. What, what was the fly shop in Bozeman? I should know, but uh, I think it's the Bozeman Angler maybe. I'm not 100% sure. It's on the Yellow Dog website. It just happened. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I'll, I'll get a link out to that as well. Nice. Right on. Well, um, yeah, I think, you know, we'll, we'll dig into a little more on some of this around the world stuff, but I just wanted to touch on, you know, Eastern Idaho because we're kicking off this series uh, and focusing a little bit to, into that area. And you're like the perfect person for this because, like you said, you've lived there for 34 years. You were just fishing it before you moved out. Talk about, you know, that area. You know, you've got the Henry's Fork I guess the snake, right? What is, what are the few, what are the species there? Let's talk about that for you. What are the species that you've uh, caught that you've added to your list from that area? Well, what it's famous for is, you know, um, Yellowstone cutthroats. And then if you jump over to Jackson, which is not Idaho, but it's only, you know, 15 miles away, then you have your snake river cutthroats. So it's famous for cutthroats. That's basically yeah. yep. the deal there. And uh, they're trying to reestablish them a little better in the South Fork of the snake. Uh, but if you get in any of the small streams um, in the Teton River, it's, it's you know, some of the best cutthroat fishing there is mm-hmm. anywhere. You know, I won't say the world because they're only from, you know, the western part of the United States, but probably the best fishing in the entire west for cutthroats. For cutthroat. And these are cutthroat typically that you're getting on the surface, or is it a mix of techniques? Well, you can do a mix of techniques, but that's definitely what that fish is known for coming up being a little stupider than some of the other trout and, you know, crushing a big foam dry fly, you know, on the twitch, you know, it can be more like bass fishing sometimes. Oh, nice. So, yeah. yeah, it's fabulous. I lived very close to, uh, you know, I was at Victor, so I was like five miles from the Teton River, which is, you know, the upper stretch, a slow moving stretch of river. And, you know, not only did they crush the big flies, but there were times uh, where they would be very finicky on tiny dry flies in some of the slower water sections. And it was, it's great. Kept me tuned. Right. And, and are there cutthroat, you mentioned Yellowstone, Snake River, are there a bunch of other cutthroat species out there or are those just a couple of the main ones? Uh, those are the main ones, but if you drive two hours north, you'll start getting into the West Slope cutthroats, which are more the Montana fish. Okay. Uh, if you drive south down towards Salt Lake a couple hours, you get into the Bear River strain. And then uh, if you zip over into Wyoming, you have the Colorado cutthroats. So Colorado, that area has got a lot of them. Right. Right. So you got it all in that. And then that's the cool thing is, yeah, they're super active on the surface. Um, and then what are they? So you got smallmouth bass. So if you add some other species to the, that Eastern Idaho, what else you got out there? That smallmouth, right? One, one of your favorites. Oh yeah. And you, you have to venture like Idaho falls. There's a lake there called the Ryrie reservoir that had smallmouth in it. They don't get very big, but it is a good fishery for them. The topwater fishing was always good in the summer, but, uh, World-class smallmouth bass fishing has developed down below American Falls Reservoir all the way to Boise on the Snake. And uh, the last 10 years has really 
just when I started tapping into it. And, uh, you know, from Victor, it's about a two and a half hour drive down to that area. So, you know, I didn't go every year, but I went for like a four day trip every summer. And I tell you, it, each time I went, the last three years that I went, I topped my biggest smallmouth, uh, which I've topped again since I've now moved to Wisconsin. But, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, it's incredible, incredible smallmouth bass fishing down there. Oh, wow. And what's a big, uh, what are one of those big smallmouth? How big is that? I would say a super fat 18 inch fish. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some 19s. And, you know, I'm pretty honest with the measuring tape. So I don't. Yeah pop the 20 mark out very often right. there, and i never got one down there but i have since i've got to wisconsin yeah that's right yeah people tend to extend if it's close call it the 20 inches but yeah i mean you got an 18 19 inch and plus it's a fat obviously a fatter fish so that's i don't know what the poundage is but that's pretty decent right yeah they're gi- that's a giant small like really is yeah so also i should mention you know um the carp fishing is what i probably oh, yeah. did the most of the last you know, number of years in Idaho and, uh, you know, they're common carp. We don't have any grass carp in, in Eastern Idaho, but common carp, mirror carp, which is actually the, the same species, the mirrors of subspecies, kind of a mutant actually of the common carp. But, uh, that lower snake had an incredible carp fishing on, you know, with fly as well, as well as every one of the reservoirs, including American falls and Blackfoot reservoir, like superb flat style carp fishing like incredible i do that's the thing i miss the most since i've moved to wisconsin right so there's no carp up there so and and that's just because of obviously warm water right that's the big thing you need the warmer water well i just haven't found them yet i did see a couple on lake superior on a flat this summer um and i did go over to lake michigan which is actually incredible for Mm. for fishing them on the flats there just the clear water yeah i think lake superior might really be a little bit too chilly for them to to really prosper yeah right right yeah we just got back we were, i was over in uh, uh lake erie with jeff liske doing the steelhead alley stuff and uh man the great lakes are amazing you know i mean i've we've been doing a number of episodes but it's such a i mean you you know it i'm sure you you were from there originally but so many opportunities you know right so it's just but again the u.s it goes back to that thing you've traveled all around the world but you probably look at the u.s as a pretty productive place and diversity of species is that how you see it oh my gosh yes i mean it's this is a great country for adding fish to your species list just not just freshwater but we got two different oceans as well so it's amazing but i am i am really excited to be back in the great lakes region to be this close you know i can you know, fish my river I just mentioned about here, here through town. I've got a hundred lakes within 25 miles away. In fact, I'm going to go out and shake up some crappie for dinner here shortly nice. um, through the ice. Uh, and then I can go up to Lake Superior and not only fish giant smallmouth on Lake Superior, but uh, they also have a, you know, a, a very good steelhead fishery and amazing yep. brown trout fishery. Oh, right. The browns. Giant fish. And <sighs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I, well, again, adding to my species list, I, I don't think as much because I haven't been out as much, but I was, we were swinging for steelhead and I had a kind of a tip, you know, and then I uh, hooked up with a fish and brought it in. It was a small fish, but then when I got it, I was like, wow, it was a lake run brown. Nice. And it was beautiful fish. I mean, it was, you know, over 20 inches and, or whatever it was. And, but, you know, that's one of those things where you probably are fishing out there and you hook into something. You Sometimes you might not be quite sure what you're going to get, right? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It's my favorite thing in fishing. I love it. Right. 
God. Okay. So, so we got that. So, I mean, going back to Idaho, you know, you mentioned carp, smallmouth, all the Yellowstone, all the cutthroat. Are there any other species? Because that's the ones you always think about for sure. I mean, those are the ones I've caught while in Idaho. Are there other ones out there? Are there a bunch or just a few more? Well, the the ranch at the Henry's Fork, which was my favorite Idaho water, um, is 99% rainbow trout. Oh, right. And uh, big ones at that. Um, uh-huh. Occasionally, there there be there are some small streams. In fact, the Teton River has a lot of brook trout. Oh, okay. And and that you know, South Fork of the Snake and the Snake itself is you know it's world class brown trout fishing as well. Yeah, that's right. So it's got all that. So you get all the the, the trout essentially. What is that area? I mean, the Henry's Fork is, you know, and especially, the, like you said, the ranch uh, reach. What is the thing that makes that area so special? If you go specifically into the Henry's Fork, is it the just the area, the type of fishing? What, what is, because you hear so much about it, right, from from people. It's it's the whole package. It's, it's the area. It's an incredible area right in the edge of Yellowstone. So the wildlife is there. Um, that river, you know, I, I believe it's one of the world's largest spring creeks, but once it leaves, you know, Yellowstone area and, and through the ranch, it goes over Mesa Falls. And then it's, uh, you know, a pretty fast moving river, you know, so you have a lot of uh, pocket water and it, it's basically, it has everything. And uh, it has all the species um, as well. That ranch part that I like to fish is, is mostly just rainbows. But once it drops over Mesa Falls, you start getting into more cutthroats. You get lots of rainbows, you get brown trout. Um, the reason I was passionate about the ranch though, is, you know, I'm a dry fly guy yeah, and, uh, I love the technical, you know, give me an 18 foot leader and a size 20 blue wing olive and try to fool a fish. That's going to be really hard to get. It's that's, yeah. that's what I enjoy. That's the, the puzzle of fly fishing that keeps me going. Yep. So that's, that's the big thing. And that is a, for me and probably a lot of people, you know, the dry flies, not only tying those little suckers, but getting a fish to fool them and, and matching the hatch. So that, and, and you compare that to the stark contrast to Euro nymphing, right? Which is also a very popular style and something obviously you with the, the Team USA, you're very familiar with. Talk about that a little bit. Are there areas in that part of the of Idaho where you can actually use the Euro nymphing, um, you know, different stream? Can you do that on the Henry's Fork or other areas? Absolutely. So you would not do it on the ranch because it's too weedy and slow water you know, that is dry fly water, but, um, my practice grounds, you know, before we do a tournament would be to go to that lower Henry's fork. So I'd go over around Ashton, Idaho, or even further downstream and, uh, find some of that pocket water and, and do my practice runs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while catching trout, we also catch a lot of whitefish and there's, you know, people don't get too excited about whitefish. I do because I'm a species nut. And, uh, mm-hmm. I always call it the Henry's fork home of the mighty whiteies from hell nice uh, yeah i mean it's not uncommon to get a big 17 18 maybe even a 20 inch whitefish on nymph down there yeah it's pretty fun pretty cool that's right that's right yeah i love whitefish that's the thing they don't get the respect you know they're like uh out there but they're a cool fish they are maybe even get really lucky and get a utah sucker oh i was just gonna say suckers right because you've got you guys probably have a number of different suckers in there too yep got the utah and i think the bluehead and there's mountain suckers Mm. Uh, most people would never identify one from another. They just call it nope. a sucker and, and get upset that they caught yep. one, but I get fired up. Exactly. Well, there aren't suckers, aren't those native fish for that area? They are. Yeah. 
Exactly. You can't get too fired up, too down on a native uh, fish, right? You shouldn't, that's for sure. <laughs> nice. And is it the whitefish? Is that the mountain whitefish or what is that one? Yes, it's the mountain yeah. whitefish. Yeah, mountain whitefish. Cool. Um, this is awesome. So you got basically in, on the Euro and of course, Team USA, are you still involved in that? Are you still doing all that stuff with, I think it's the, what do you call it? It's not the seniors, the masters or what's the level you're at? Yeah. So I do the masters, which is 50 and older. Yeah. And, uh, I've done maybe four or five, well, I'd say five years in a row. Uh, it started when I was in my forties, so I couldn't do it. But as soon as I turned 50, I got the call and, uh, it's been fabulous. I, uh, I did fish it this year. In fact, we won the gold medal. We're the first mm-hmm. adult team to ever win a gold medal. And, uh, we did it in Italy back in July. Exactly. But we've been good. We, uh, my first year in the team, um, we went to, uh, Ireland and we got fourth place and the team has evolved. We've got some, some better players on there now that have come up like Brett Bishop and Pete Erickson and Mike Sexton um, and Lauren Williams, um, they were a little, they're all a little younger than me. So now that they've come in 50 and joined the team, we are deadly. So we got, uh, the bronze medal in Portugal. Then we had a year, we got fourth place again in Spain. And then we got the silver medal in South Africa in 2000, either 18 or 19. And then of course, COVID slowed it down there for a while, but we got uh, fourth place in Czech Republic last year. And then this year we struck it and got gold. It was God. so much fun. And Brett actually, uh, Brett Bishop, he got the gold individual. So yeah. everybody fished well. He fished like, you know, just outstanding. He was on it. Yeah. We had Brett on uh, recently and we heard that story. It's so cool because I mean, and you for sure, again, on this, probably the best person to talk to because You've been there from the beginning of that too, right? You go back to um, the old shop. Uh, who, who's the old the old boy uh, who's, who started the whole thing, right? Um, I've drawn a blank here. The fly shop you used to work for back in the day. Uh, well, I worked for Jack Dennis. Yeah, Dennis. Jack Dennis Jack fly Dennis. shop. Yeah. Yep. And then, yeah, he got involved as a, a coach there for the men's team for a couple of years. And um, what Jack did, basically, he, he got, he generated sponsorship which then we could put together a younger team, you know, not to say old guys can't fish because we proved that we can this year. Yep. But, uh, you know, I'm not climbing over the rocks on my belly right. for three straight hours quite as well as I, as I used to, although I did yep. do it this year because I knew we were, <laughs> I knew we were hot for gold. So I think all of us needed, you know, crutches to get home from that trip this year. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, that's awesome. So you guys just went, I mean, that's it because right. You're, kind of the tactical fishing or combat, whatever you want to call it. I mean, to get some of these fish, you got to like crawl on your hands and knees sort of thing, right? At times. It's totally different than anything in the U S it's really hard to explain to people, but yeah, yeah, they, the fish are small yet. They are very wild. And, uh, you know, unlike here where we have a lot of catch and release fishing, most of the fish in Europe, most of the fisheries in Europe are not catch and release. So every fish that you're fishing to knows that, you know, if I get hooked, I'm dead. So, uh, they're different. They're, they're much, much wiser, much more spooky, much harder to catch, even though they're smaller. So yeah, yeah. you really are putting on the snake and, uh, it's cool. Wow. I love it. I do love it. It must feel pretty good. Now you guys are like top of the game after all those years of, right. Kind of, you start out like, well, I, I think when you started, what, what wasn't the first, didn't you get a, a medal the first year or something like that you're in it? 
it wasn't the first, but it was about the third. It was yeah. um, in Spain in 2003. And uh, yeah, we that was that's when things turned around because then we proved that an American could be good enough to compete with the Europeans. And that's mm-hmm. when the sponsors really jumped on oh, board right. and our team developed from there. So yeah, I did get lucky. I pulled, I pulled a rabbit out of a hat in uh, Spain and you know, it was my type of fishing. It was upstart, upstream, dry fly, dry dropper. And you know, I know how to do that stuff. So yeah, it was gotcha. cool. That's cool. Yeah. And we, we, I'm setting up and I'm, you know, Brad and Pete, we've been chatting here. We're setting up kind of a, we're doing some of these school little events connected to the podcast where we're bringing some people over to learn these techniques. And I'm hoping to get, you know, Brad and Pete and some other ones involved and doing something there in in Eastern Idaho. Right. So it sounds like the Henry's Fork, that area might be a good place to, to head over to and do some of this. And then at the same time, maybe even throw out a few dry flies. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. This is good. Nice. Well, I think, um, you know, I wanted to break down a little bit just of a little bit on that and then just looking ahead for what you have going. As you look out, you know, when you're thinking trips, say you said 10 years, right? I mean, is this going to be taking you all around the world or do you focus and you probably don't know exactly, but are you saying, hey, I've got this many species in, you know, North America, South America? Or what does that look like for, say, the next 10 years, do you think? Well, I think um, part of my move to Wisconsin was to have uh, cool new things closer to me. Um, so I think it's it's a little bit the opposite. I'm still going to travel. I mean, I still have a few things you know coming up here soon, and I'm never going to stop my travel. But uh, in 2018, I left the country 13 times. And uh, 2019, I think I was out of the country nine times. And then all of a sudden COVID hit, and I was out of the country one or two times. Yep. And... Uh, you know, I realized how how much all that travel was beating me up. I mean, mm. it was it was very restful to be home in Idaho for you know more than I was away, and I uh, it just kind of opened my eyes that you know, hey, I'm I'm getting older. Maybe I should cut back the travel and enjoy a little bit what I have right here at my fingertips. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think you know, like this next year, 2023, I'll probably leave the country four or five times. As, and, and I'll never get back to that absolutely crazy going somewhere right. every single month. And I'm going to be happy with that. I'm going to be happy with it. Yeah. Yep. Every month is nuts. So, and you were doing that for how long were you doing the every, well, you said 13, like say monthly, how, how long were you doing? How many years were you doing that sort of schedule? Uh, I would say about uh, 11 or 12 years since I quit the fly shop in 2009. I think I went through five passports, you know, I did. You know, get new ones because they were full. They stopped at, they used to add pages, but they stopped adding pages. So, right. yeah, it was insane. It was cool though. Yeah. What is the toughest thing about travel for somebody that hasn't done a lot of travel? If I mean, that you're at the extreme level, but just say doing maybe six trips a year. What, what is, what takes the toll, especially as you get older? I would say, you know, um, time changes and, mm. uh, you know, sitting in one place, uh, I think that in 2018, I went to Africa three times in, in three months. And uh, two of them were in the same month. We had the World Championships in South Africa in early February. And then I came back to the States because I had, you know, a pretty intense uh, speaking schedule that I couldn't mm-hmm. miss. So I think I came back for 18 days and did like, you know, 15 different docks. 
And then I went right back to Africa and fished in Cameroon. So, yeah, I never really adjusted. You know, I never got straight. I just remember after Cameroon, I came home. My wife was like, how was your vacation? I'm like, it was not a vacation. I need to go sleep for like four days. I'm banged up. I'm beat up. I'm sunburned. My back hurts from sitting on a, you know, plane for 30 hours. Gosh. (laughs) Yes. I wouldn't trade it for anything, but I'm, I probably won't pull that one off ever again. <laughs> right. Gosh. So it sounds like maybe COVID, you know, again, it's, it goes back to how bad COVID was, but sometimes there's like the silver lining, right? It sounds like COVID maybe got you to a place to understand like, hey, maybe I don't need to travel all this. Is that kind of how that looked? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It really, really did. And it's funny, a couple of my buddies, that, you know, from Victor, Victor is one of those places where there are a lot of, you know, professional outdoor sports people and a lot of them are fly fishers and um, there's a little core of guys there that are some of the best permit fishermen in in the world you know mm, like uh, yeah. tim brune and mike dawes and you know all of us were sitting around together out out in the lawn drinking beers in the spring when it was when we couldn't travel and we're like hey this is pretty cool we haven't done this together in so long mm-hmm. and uh so yeah i think it is a silver lining that a lot of us experienced yeah Nice. And your speaking schedule. So are you back on track now for, we're coming up into 23. Tell us, uh, what's that look like? Cause I know you do a pretty hefty speaking schedule. Yeah. I'm going to do a monster this year. Um, I actually have a thing in a couple nights right here in Wisconsin, but when the new year starts, I'm doing every single fly fishing show, except the uh, big one in Pennsylvania. And then, uh, in between the shows, I have, you know, a lot of one night gigs. Like I've got, you know, quite a few in California around the Pleasanton fly fishing show. And I have uh, a little Oregon tour after the shows doing clubs and some of the fly shops there. And yeah, I'm going hard. You know, I've got to make up for the ones that I, they all got canceled. That's right. Um, you know, during the, during the pandemic there. So, and I love it though. You know, I, I got to make it clear. I have a lot of people, my fellow industry people that, that do a few here and there and they're just like, yeah they watch me at these shows and they're like, Kurt, I don't know how you do it. And I'll just, I, I really enjoy, uh, meeting people, having people come up and share their, you know, their fishing problems with me and helping them solve them. I like helping people catch fish. So it's, I'm good with it. Yeah. And that's what I hear a lot of. Sometimes you'll hear of the, well, even the extreme, sometimes you'll hear people that actually get out of fly fishing, right? Because, for whatever reason, life things or whatever. But, you know, you hear those people that are just so passionate about it, right? And, and you know, like for you, it's obvious, you know, you love that. And like for me with this podcast, it's the same thing, you know, people probably wonder like, wow, how do you do that many episodes? But, you know, it kind of doesn't feel like work when you're actually right. enjoying it that much. So that's cool to hear. And people, if they want to connect with you, what would be the best way to find that schedule? Can they go to your website and just kind of track down where you're going to be so they could connect? That's right. Yeah, you go to my website and just... uh one of the one of the first tabs up there, and you know, Jeff speaking or something. I can't remember mm. what it is, but you yep. just drop, it'll drop down. And you'll see Jeff's schedule. Oh, perfect. And, uh, yeah, and I encourage people to do that. If I'm going to be at the Jersey Show, you know, mm-hmm. come on down and say hi, and you know, let's visit. I love it. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm gonna definitely uh, see you at some of these shows. I'm hoping to get out east as well. And I get, I guess Wisconsin probably is that even a better place for being more centrally located for the U.S it's going to be a lot easier for my travels. You know, yeah. when I have an East coast speaking engagement, I can actually leave my own house in the morning and, and be there that evening and not worry about, 
you know, having to fly all the way from Idaho and make it a speaking engagement in Boston. You know, if you miss a flight by a minute, then you're you're done. So, yeah, yeah, this is going to be great. In fact, I've done a few West Coast things this summer, and it was great because, you know, I got there at like noon. (laughs) Oh, right, yeah. Get an early flight, and I got a chance to take a little nap, go check out the town I'm speaking in, and and do my thing. So, yeah, it's very good for that. I, my drive to the airport's a little longer. Idaho Falls Airport is what I used to use leaving Victor, and that was about an hour and 10-minute drive. Yeah. I'm flying out of Duluth, which is about that's about an hour and a half drive for me. But you know okay. what? It's a beautiful drive. Who cares? That's right. Yeah, that's that's cool. And are you taking with the the trailer now? Is that something where you're going to be traveling, doing some of this stuff, or is that more for the summer summertime? The van is going this winter. So I uh, – I did all the shows from the van last year, so I didn't have to. I probably saved myself having to get in an airplane five times, maybe more. And I'm going to do the same this year. I I enjoy driving, and uh, it's cool. You know, when I get tired, we pull into a rest area or whatever. If we got uh, four days between, like for instance, this year the Denver show uh, butts up against with the California show, so we'll drive from Denver on Monday after the show to Pleasanton, but we're going to stop in Moab. And you know, ride bikes for a couple of days. You know, oh, cool. it's gonna be great. So that's right. the way we're working it now. Last year, we went down to Phoenix and carp fished for a week because there was two yep. two weeks between the shows. So yeah, we're just making it work out. And nice. I maybe I'll nail a couple new species along the way. We'll see. Right, I was gonna say, yeah, the carp. We just did a carp episode with uh, somebody in right in like urban carp. Were you fishing? Was it urban right in the city or was this outside? Uh, mostly right in. You know, between. Yeah. Phoenix, Mesa, and Scottsdale. I love I love grass carp fishing. You know, I talked about the mirror carp and the common mm-hmm. carps of eastern Idaho, but I love fishing dry flies for the uh, the the grass carp, the white mirror down in Arizona. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah, they're tough. They're tough, right? That's the cool thing about carp is that they, what do they call them? Are they the the of the like the freshwater bonefish or something like that? Yeah, I guess you could call that. <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by Eastern Idaho's Yellowstone Teton Territory, Idaho's most renowned zone for fly fishing, from the Henry's Fork to the South Fork of the Snake, and all the high alpine lakes and streams in between. Yellowstone Teton Territory provides anglers and other outdoor enthusiasts with all the information they need to plan their next big trip. You can visit wetflyswing.com slash Teton right now to get the full list of outfitters, lodges, fly shops, and all kinds of inspiration to get you started on your next trip to Eastern Idaho. That's Teton, T-E-T-O-N, wetflyswing.com slash Teton. So on that camper, I'm just you know curious on this because I've been thinking about the camper thing for a while. So are you guys full of this thing's dialed, like plug it in, you got everything on this thing, or is it more like just a bed and a couple things in it? Ours is primitive. So we do have a plug, but we did, we used it maybe once uh, since we've had it. We're, not, we're more like go into the boonies away from a campground and, uh, you know, sleep out there. And yep. uh, we're, it, we're, I have a solar panel on it, so in oh, which... Okay is incredible so far you know we've had it a little over a year now and it it seems to charge us up beautifully oh, and wow. uh but very small we don't have a bathroom so you know we just we have an outdoor shower yeah so i can i can hook up my water run a hose outdoors and uh, we're swimmers so like we picked it up last year in phoenix you know i bought it in november of 2021 but my wife was working and i was overseas so uh we went and picked it up in January, and we basically just 
took the southerly route. So every morning we would take, you know, a very cold swim. Even though we were in Texas, I was surprised how cold it was in January. And uh, yeah, it's refreshing. We, we get uh-huh. a kick out of it. It's fun. Yeah, you're doing it. I mean, that's the thing I haven't really got into, but you hear like Joe Rogan and some of these people doing, what do they call it? Like the cold thing. You know, they got these, right? It recharges. It's actually super good for you doing the cold plunges. Yep. And as your uh, body gets older, it, it, it helps. It definitely helps with those achy, achy bones and muscles. Right on, right on. Cool. So that, I love that in the camper. And then how do you do, so if you're at, in the winter, so you have a heater, I mean, you plug it in and then you're actually getting like, what, propane or how are you doing the heat? My heat's on propane, so I don't have to plug into anything. Just turn that on and good to go. Um, yeah, we usually, you know, you don't pull off the road till seven or eight o'clock at night. So the cars, you know, the van's pretty warmed up from driving. And, uh, you know, we'll sit around and pop a bottle of wine, listen to some music. Maybe I'll do a little internet, you yep. know, do a little work. And then uh, I like sleeping in the cold, so does my wife. So usually it's uh-huh. not till like four or five in the morning. We're like, holy cow, it's getting cold. Maybe turn the heat on. Or That's right. get an early start. One gotcha. of the other. Yeah, so yeah. we really we only used one bottle of propane so far since we've had this thing. It's been a year. Oh man. And for the travel again, this is like, you know, for the travelers out there. I mean, how cold can you because I'm kind of a wimp, you know, I'm up here in in Oregon and, you know, if it gets down to the teens, that's crazy. But I mean, are you able to be out there and like super? What if it's like hitting zero? Is there a time when, you know, it kind of gets too cold? Yeah, I would say zero is about it. When yeah. We ended our january excursion last year up in new hampshire because that's i had to start my fly fishing show tour up there in the northeast and uh yeah we hit zero and uh we basically had to turn our water off and we didn't get it off quick enough we froze our pump oh right that's it yeah Yeah. at the freezing so i turned it off this year back in like late october yeah yeah gotcha Nice. Well, that's, uh, I think this is really cool because I know when you were on back in 2019, you had mentioned you were talking about this camper, right? And doing something like this. And now to hear you back, this is the perfect timing because full circle, you've got it going. Now you're out in Wisconsin. You got that going. We're out of COVID. It seems like, I mean, I'd imagine for you, you probably looking at things as pretty positive, even with all the crazy world stuff going on. Do you feel like you're in a pretty good spot now? Yeah. We're very, very happy. Um, but I should mention, you know, when that COVID thing hit, it was rock bottom for me for yeah. the first couple of months. I mean, uh, my entire business that I've been working on God. for 10 years, yeah, it just got destroyed. And, uh, you know, luckily everything everything's meant to happen, I guess, and we came out of it stronger than, than we went into it. So, yeah, yep. it's right. great right now. And it made us make this move that I honestly don't think we ever would have made. Yep. Yep. That's the change. That's the one thing, right? Sometimes people, you get stuck, right? Or whatever in a place and you're like, oh, this is comfortable, but actually change can be a good positive thing, right? Which is what you guys just went through. Yep. Huh. It is. So take us there just for a second, just because, I mean, <clears throat> we've all had our different COVID experiences. What what was that? You're, you're talking rock bottom when you hit that, like for you, how does that feel in that situation? Are you just kind of no idea, right? Nobody knows, right? Is this going to be the end of the world, right? Is my business done? Take us there for a second. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was so addicted in, uh, to my travel. Like I, I felt if I wasn't traveling, I wasn't living. Um, if I wasn't, you know, pursuing some new species, you know, eight thousand miles from home, what, what else am I going to do? Um, and I had, you know, I had to cancel some amazing fishing trips. In fact, I was when when we really the COVID really hit. You know, where we got, you know, told we had to stay home. I was actually in Canada doing a speaking tour. And oh, wow. my 
my night in Calgary, I just arrived in Calgary to do a really big deal um, for some of the fly shops up there, fishtails and the clubs, they all came together. That's something I've done about, I do it about every three years. So it's a big event with, you know, it'd be 200 people there in a beautiful theater. And I literally got up there and uh, the guy that picked me up, he goes, they just canceled. You were not allowed to, we're not allowed to do this thing in Canada tonight. Damn. I was like, holy cow, what's going on? This is real, isn't it? He's like, yeah, he goes, we're actually going to take you straight to the airport, the Calgary airport, put you in a hotel, and you're going to wait for a flight to get out of Canada. They're kicking you out. I was like, wow. Whoa. Wow. And uh, I called my wife because my wife and I were supposed to leave to the Cook Islands um, that following week. And I said, what's the deal with our Cook Island trip? Are we going to be able to make it? She goes, I don't think so. The U.S. is shutting down and some of the airlines are shutting down. So... I remember I sat in Calgary for two days, and then I kind of—I was one of only two people on a flight from on Delta to uh, Seattle, and then kind of worked my way back to Idaho Falls. Yeah. But yeah, that was like, oh my God, my life just ended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my tour just got ended right in the middle of it in Canada. It's what I've been looking mm-hmm. forward to. My Cook Island trip with my wife, where we're going to be gone for five weeks, ended. And uh, next thing you know, we're sitting. I was sitting in Idaho on a cold March day, watching you know the wet snow come down. So that sounds horrible. It was. <laughs> that was 2020. Yeah, that was right, March 2020. Yep. But it's funny. We loaded up my Explorer. We broke all the rules after being home yep. for a week. Loaded up the Explorer, and I said, we're going to go see Idaho. We're going to go to some warmer areas because, you know, that eastern Idaho, um, Victor, Idaho, Drake's, that's high country. That's, uh, you know, 6,500 yep. feet. And it's cold. But you can go down the snake towards Boise and, and gain 25 degrees. And that's what we did. We went down and we we hung out, you know, that lower snake, got some carp, got some smallies. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, 55 degrees instead of 30 degrees. And uh, that was the beginning of the, the happiness coming back. Mm-hmm. And also realizing that we needed a, a, a larger vehicle because living out of an Explorer when you're 55 years old and climbing yep. in and out of the back and taking everything out at night so you can sleep in there, it's, dude, that, that part got old. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I've done a little bit. I think, you know, we've done that, right? The same thing. And actually we have two little kids now. So you add two little kids with car seats and the same sort of thing, you know, yeah. it, it, it's kind of, it's tricky. They, uh, it's a lot nicer with some sort of a camper deal. Nice. Well, this is good. So in, let's just uh, go back again where we started kind of, uh, we were talking Idaho. Um, as far as places, if you kind of look at you know, again, going back to that part where you're, you know, where you lived, Eastern Idaho, what are the places, if somebody was coming there and they were going to do like a trip, like right now, we're going to head to Idaho, set up, you know, maybe the Henry's for it. What do you tell somebody if they're coming in as far as fishing or places, do you have a couple of favorite like lodges or rivers or hotels, stuff like that, food? Yeah. What I always tell people, tell people is, you know, slow down, dude, slow down because Usually they'll have a, a list of rivers that they're going to fish. You know, yeah, we're going to do yep. the South Fork a couple of days. We're going to do the Henry's Fork. We're going to do the Teton. Right. We're going to go up to, you know, because we're right in the edge of Montana and Wyoming. We're going to go over to the Snake in Wyoming. Then we're going to yeah. go up to Quake Lake. And I'm like, how many days you got? They're like, uh, we got, it's about 10 days. We're driving yep. up from California. And I'm like, okay, so really you've got, you know, six days of fishing. And they're like, yeah, I guess. And I'm like, okay, well, you give me seven rivers that you're going to fish. So you're going to drive from one to the other in the halfway, you know, you understand what I'm getting at. Yep. So I just yep. tell people, slow it down. The Henry's Fork, for instance, 
you know, like I was describing a little while ago, you know, you've got the Spring Creek section up there in the ranch. You've got the Mesa Falls, which is, you know, whitewater, which can be nymphed. And then you've got the, you know, the slow mix of, you know, still water below, you know, a big pool. And then it's, you know, fast moving water. You could spend a lifetime there, let alone try to do it all in, in two days. Mm-hmm. So I tell people, if you're doing a typical two-week American vacation, do just yeah. a couple places and keep them within 50 miles and do it right, as opposed to try and speed through and see it all. Gotcha. Yeah, I like that. So basically, so yeah, if you have two weeks, you basically take, like you said, maybe you're going to be fishing, uh, maybe even half of that, right? You might even plan on, say, a week or maybe eight days of fishing and then uh, and then a couple places there, so maybe three or four days at each place, something like that would be better than trying to hit eight places. I think so. I always yeah. tell people in my hosted trips, you know, the first day, you know, it gets a group to, you know, Mexico or, you know, the Seychelles. I'm like, okay, and everybody's ready to jump out of their shoes here and go out and fish from sunrise to sunset tomorrow. But we're doing this the next nine days. So I want you to start pacing yourself right now so that on the last day, you're just as strong as you are on your first day. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. Right. And pacing yourself means what? What does that mean exactly? Fish more thoroughly and slowly and enjoy it as opposed to going as fast as you can, not doing a very good job at it. And then at the end, you're like tired and looking back saying, boy, I didn't really do a very good job Mm. and catch as many fish as I should have. Yep. Gotcha. So 14 days. So basically the first day you might even, well, you got the travel day. So that maybe takes off one and then you got your first day on the water. So instead of the, yeah, I mean, fishing all day, not eating, not drinking, right? Just kind of fishing, like take a little, make sure you get your, uh, stay hydrated, right? And kind of stay healthy along the way. Exactly. Yep. And then if we were, you know, looking at that, so where would you recommend, there's a lot of places, if somebody wanted to do a little mix, maybe some dry fly, maybe some kind of Euro nymphing, what would that look like? You mentioned a few at the start, but you got the Henry's Fork. What are the other big rivers that are in that area you know, of kind of Eastern Idaho that people, you know, would be definitely destinations. You got to fish the South Fork of the Snake. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's one of the greatest rivers in the West. Uh, you got the full variety pack there. You got your Snake River Cutties, your Yellowstone Cutties, you have rainbows, you have brown trout. Um, you have, you know, big bushy dry fly fishing. And of course it depends on the season, but if you're there anytime from June till, uh, October, you got a chance to fish big bushy dry flies. Um, at the same time, you go around the next bend and you have a riffle where the fish are eating tiny PMDs or blueing olives off the riffle in you know, six inches of water with incredible dry fly fishing. And then off the edge of that, you could, you know, do your nymphing. And mm-hmm. um, it's definitely a river where I tell in a lot of wade fishing, people don't realize that that's big water and they think you have to have a boat. But yeah. there is a lot of wade fishing, a lot of public water nice. on that river, probably nice. more than any other river there is perfect perfect so the south for the snake is a big one and then and then what are the other ones you'd throw in there along along that line well obviously i said the henry's forks that's going to be in there uh the teton river mm-hmm. um a sneaky one i guess i'll say it because i don't live there anymore um the fall river is a really cool one uh-huh. and uh you know most of the fall river is private but yeah. if you look at the map it comes out of yellowstone that's mm-hmm. southeast part of yellowstone which is actually in Idaho. And uh, of course, because it's you know, in Yellowstone, that's public water. You have to get oh, a Yellowstone right. fishing license. But 
It was one of my favorites, you know, when I didn't uh-huh. need a big fish fix by any means. I just wanted to go out and have a nice quiet day and catch the, the full range of species. That was a good one for me. That was it. Nice. So yeah, so there's four big ones. So again, on this, we're a two week trip. So we, we picked two of those off. So if you haven't fished, I mean, I'm looking maybe the South Fork, the Snake and the Henry's Fork would be two. If you had eight or nine days or uh, that'd yes. be a good, yeah, a good deal. Yes. And yeah. by the way, the Henry's Fork flows into the South Fork of the Snake. So that's how uh, close they are together as well. There you go. There you go. Okay. And, uh, and then if you're heading out there, I know you guys, you know, obviously do, uh, with the camping and stuff, are there plenty of lodges if somebody had some extra money to do that sort of thing? I mean, you got the, yeah, you got the Henry's Fork lot, that stuff there, right? There's, are there just a bunch of lodges or there's a few big ones that are out there? There's, there's probably a bunch, but there's, there's a few big ones like, uh, Lodge at Palisades and South Fork Lodge would be, uh, two fabulous ones there on the yep. river. And, um, or in the Henry's Fork, you do have the Henry's Fork Lodge. And there's some sneaky ones up in, that I can't even think of the names of. But sure. um, my advice to everybody there would be if you are planning a trip, even uh, for 2024, you might want to reserve that live. Oh, wow. The lodge. Yeah. It's a busy area. Yeah. It's a busy, busy area. So. Yep. Plan way ahead. And same with Yellowstone. If you're going to the park, definitely good to plan ahead. Oh gosh, if you're going to try and book an accommodation up there, then absolutely a year and a half ahead of time. That's right. Yeah. We, we, even we campsites. Kinda, yep. Even that's what I was saying. We did the campsite thing and we kind of, you know, we didn't plan it as well. It was still fun, but we kind of popped in the park and did a little more driving and then popped out of the park at times when we had to in camp, but it was, it was fun. Um, nice. So, and then timing wise, and it, well, the South Fork Lodge, is that the one I think, is that Oliver White? Is that the lodge that he's yep. running now? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's Oliver and and I think Jimmy Kimmel, right, is part of that whole thing. We've yeah, that's been, right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, who were who were still hoping to get uh, get on the podcast? Hopefully, we had um, you probably didn't see it, but we had Henry Winkler. You know the the Fonz, right? Back in the old school. Only the older people probably know Henry, right, from Happy Days. I got to tell you a Henry story. So yeah, um, when I worked at the fly shop in Jackson Hole, when I first started working there, which would have been nineteen eighty seven. Um, we had a very cool guy from Los Angeles who, who was a contract lawyer for, for many movie stars. So a few times a summer, he'd bring people out and he brought out Henry and, mm. uh, you know, I was young, I was like 22. So I was kind of starstruck. I'm like, Oh my God, there's the yeah. Fonz. Yeah. And, uh, I had the pleasure that day, you know, they were getting ready to go fishing, but he needed everything. He'd never been fishing before. So I sold oh, wow. him, you know, I sold him his new vest and a rod and all stuff. It was super cool. got to meet him. Never really saw him again. Um, yeah. you know, they didn't come in the store again. They just went out fishing. Well, I was flying, uh, this is, and I know he kept coming back to the area and he, he fell in uh-huh. love with fishing. He never stopped. So he still fishes. So I am flying, um, Idaho falls to salt Lake. I'm going somewhere. I'm just on that leg and I got bumped into first class, you know, it's the little tiny planes and it's not a big deal, but you know, I obviously fly a lot. So I got pushed up there and, uh, here comes the fawns and I'm like, holy crap, like, haven't seen this guy in 25 years. And sure enough, he sits next to me. I had an aisle seat and he oh, was wow. on the aisle across. And I'm like, oh, I've got to tell, I've got to just say hi yeah, and tell him the story about what I sold him the best. He'll probably never remember. And unfortunately, you know, it was an early morning flight. So he plops in his seat. He had a little entourage, you know, oh, he's really? got his people with him, of course. Yeah. And uh, he had a two piece fly rod. And I'm like, oh, here's my perfect, you know, way to start the conversation. Cause I could be like, can't you afford to buy a four piece? 
Right. And, and it was funny because the stewardesses, they were all a little bit star shocked too because they kind of <laughs> knew what was going on. And they're trying to get his two piece rod in a closet because it doesn't fit anymore. All right. I'm like, all right, this will be fun. Well, he plops in a seat and shuts his eyes. And I'm like, dang it. You know, and he literally was out like a light. And it's a short yeah. flight. So 30 minutes, as soon as the wheels hit the ground in Salt Lake City, he wakes up. And I'm like, okay, I got to give him a minute, but I'm going to say something to him. And, uh, as we were getting off the plane, we were the first two guys to stand up. I'm like, I'm like, uh, Henry, you'll never for the life of you remember me, but we have a mutual friend. And he goes, he looks at me like, okay. And I go, yeah, Skip Brittenham. Um, he introduced us oh, yeah. to each other about uh, 30 years ago at, in Jackson. He goes, the Jack Dennis fly shop. And I'm like, yeah, I sold you the vest. And he goes, yeah, the turquoise blue vest. <laughs> and Sims had those really bright colors. Oh, yeah. And I go, yeah, you remember? I go, I was the kid that sold you that stuff. He goes like, oh, man, what's your name? And, I was, and then we started shooting the, the bull there yeah. all the way off the plane. He's like, how do you still know Skip? And it was funny because Skip had just gone with me to the Seychelles. Him and a couple oh, wow. of his friends. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I just had a really nice visit with him. And then at the end, I was able to give him some crap. I'm like, dude, what are you doing with a two-piece rod, for God's sakes? He goes, yep. oh, I still love that rod. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you need to up the game, buddy. Yep. And then his little entourage is like, yeah, you need to up your game because we are sick of hauling that thing around and fighting with the stewardess every time we get on a plane. Exactly. So it was super cool, super cool to, to run into him. Wow, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, Skip Brittenham, I remember when he mentioned that on the the episode was amazing. Same thing for me. I mean, he's a guy, obviously huge, and uh, and he mentioned that and some great stories. So yeah, I'm excited to. Uh, hopefully, I told Oliver that I said, hey, if uh, if I can get uh, if I can get Henry on, then what do you think about Jimmy? He said, well, check back with me after you have Henry on. So I'm I'm going to swing back around with Oliver and see if we can put that together. Cool. I look forward to finding one on Henry. I'll check it out maybe today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so cool. Well, I think, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about this. I wanted to do a little, a little primer on, you know, update on what you have going and talk, you know, Eastern Idaho, um, and this trip, you know, we're kind of already thinking like, okay, I'm going to take in the family out there doing something. I would love to do the South Fork. I'd love to do the Henry's Fork, you know, heading out there, um, as far as when to go, you know, what, what do you, what do you tell somebody? So they're, so they're new to that. When is the best time or maybe not the best, but when would you recommend is a good time to head out there? Uh, September. I always told people that uh, September 15th, October 15th was mm. my favorite time of year. Uh, the college kids go back to school. Um, it, there's, you know, families in general, you know, have to go home because they're going back to school. So it's, yep. there's less people there. Um, yeah. The weather is a little more unpredictable, but even if you were to have a spell of, you know, once in a while we'd have like this little tiny, september snowstorm we might get six inches of snow and everybody panics winter's coming but realistically three days after that snowstorm you're back in the upper 50s and 60s and even sometimes we had beautiful weather in the 70s so uh it's those cold snaps that actually turned on some of the best dry fly fishing of the year so oh wow yeah if, if people can do it september 15th to october 15th that being said the best dry fly of the entire year is when you have your salmon flies kind of rolling mm. into the first hoppers of the year. And that's always early July. So the month of July is great as well. Yeah. Right. I know. Yeah. Or, and then you can't go right. When does the first over there, when can you, you know, when does the winter kind of uh, warm up a little bit out there? About June 15th. But we have a lot of high water at that time, even though the South Fork and the Henry's Fork are both tailwaters, even the tailwaters are, this year, for instance, they have a, a tremendous snowpack going, which is great, thank God. And uh, 
even the water coming out of the dams can be off color in June and early July. Mm-hmm. So it's best to wait till July. Yeah. And and you said Victor. So in Victor, Idaho was the place you guys lived. Um, what's that town like? It, take us there a little bit because there's all sorts of big name towns around there. What's Victor like? Victor is the last town before you cross the border and go into Jacksonville, Wyoming. So mm. it's a little sleeper of a town. Um, I think a, a couple times, I remember years ago, Googling the coolest towns in America, that Victor was always in that top 10. Hmm. And uh, for a long time, you know, we moved there. We bought our house there. We kind of built our house there in 1991. And uh, people thought we were crazy. But I, I knew location for me, it was ideal. It's 20 miles from South Fork. It's 40 miles from Landry's Fork. And Teton goes through town practically. Um, I knew it was going to come along. And sure enough, um, our house was right downtown. And everything kind of built up around it the last oh, 29 wow. years that we were there. This gotcha. is one of the reasons we moved. It changed so much for us. Yeah. Um, it was just wasn't the same place, but it still is one of the greatest towns. I mean, we can walk to all the cool little bars and restaurants, and there are good bars and restaurants in a very small town, which is hard to find that. Um, you got the World of Cats Angler Fly Shop there, which are a bunch of great guides and some of the best guides in all of Idaho. It was tough to leave. You know, here I am talking about it. I'm like, you lost that place? What are you thinking? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it was time. And, yeah. you know, we have so many friends. I, like I say, I went back twice this year. I'll be back there again in April this year. Yeah. Um, I won't do too much fishing in April. It's more of a pass-through, but I probably mm-hmm. will get on the Henry's Fork. That's the beginning of the Squala Hatch and the Blue Wing Olives. Oh, right. That's it. Gosh, there's so much good stuff. And you remind me, you know, talking about, you know, Victor, it sounds like it started out, you know, small and then it's built up into probably got more expensive, right? And everything. And I know oh, yeah. Brian O'Keefe, who I'm sure you know, he was on and he started out in Bend and that was a great town. Probably the same thing 30 years ago. And now it's this massive thing and expensive. And he's actually moved to Idaho, I think. Yeah, we were joking about it. He didn't yeah. know I was leaving. And he, he sent me a, <laughs> He sent me an email about a year ago this time. He's like, dude, you're not going to believe it. He goes, I'm moving to Idaho next year. I've been talking about it for years. I'm doing it. I'm like, dude, you're not going to believe it. I'm moving to Wisconsin. He's wow. like, wow. I saw Brian when I was back there in September. It was, we had a fun visit. But yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's it, both great places. And if it's different for you, like if, if it's new, no matter, I mean, you don't see it the way I saw it in 1991 when I moved there. So it's going to be great. I mean, it is yeah. one of the greatest fishing towns surrounded by some of the best fishing. Oliver would be another example. Oliver just moved back there that's right. you know, a year and a half ago. Um, yeah, he was a guide in Jackson when he was you know, oh, younger. Oh, that's but, right. Yeah. But yeah, he had just moved back. He's like, Kurt, you're leaving? I'm like, yeah, it's hard to explain right now, but you know, I am. I am leaving. So yep. you want to buy my house? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Got it. Yeah, it seems like pretty cool. I always think of Idaho because it's like right in the middle, right? It's got all the other Western states are kind of, it feels like they're surrounded. It's this weird little, uh, you know, slim state up towards the north. And it doesn't seem like it gets as much recognition, right, overall. But it seems like actually that's changing. It seems like Idaho maybe is getting more recognition. Do you, is that, do you kind of see it that way? Oh, uh, yeah. It was, it's getting the most recognition. Mm. Between, you know, gotcha. there's a huge migration of people going to Boise. And, oh, you know, right. from, particularly from California and Oregon. Yep. Um, and then a lot of people are moving from the Boise area more into the eastern part of the state. Yeah. And uh, and then you get guys like me that are moving out of the state, which is weird. But, you know, it's yep. just that's the one thing the pandemic did. It created a little bit of a migration. It's kind of cool. That's right. Yeah, migrate. Exactly. 
Nice. And who are some, and when you just think, uh, you know, that area, Idaho, I'm thinking we've had a few guests over the years. Who are some of the people that, you know, maybe are big names out there other than yourself kind of in this, in the space? Who are some other people that you know of that are still there? Yeah. The first quick one, you know, would be Mike Dawes, um, who he was one of the founders of Worldcast Anglers. And uh, he's actually not, and he just, he's more doing what I'm doing now. I think he has, well, I know he has his own podcast as well. Hmm. But he's fishing a lot. You know, he's really, he wants to be the guy that's caught the most permit. He's All the right. most permit fishing I've ever seen. So, yep. yeah, he'll probably do that. Um, of course, you get Brian O'Keefe, who just moved yep. there. Uh, you have Mike Lawson, who is right. um, yep. one of the, in my opinion, one of the great legends of that area. And he's my top mentor, by the way. Mm. You know, I got mm-hmm. to spend a lot of time with him the last 30 years. And uh, he's one of the last wow. people I visited before i left idaho we went to lunch with with him and shirley just as we were leaving town last year mm-hmm. and uh yeah so there, there's quite a few it's, yeah, it's a pretty cool yeah and that's just the fishing athletes there's a lot of professional skiers and climbers yeah and it's good stuff that's good, good stuff. stuff cool well that gives me and i haven't actually the world cast anglers i know i was talking to pete about that but that's you know i think i'll try to talk to mike and do some more episodes there um Going back up, back to Wisconsin. So I'm interested in the house because we've been talking about the house stuff a little bit. And sometimes we'll see a property be like, oh man, because things have got so crazy. You know, we're yep. thinking like, well, maybe we get a get a bigger property with a less house that we can fix her up. What, what's that like? Take us into the house, fixing up your house. Because I'm, I don't, I'm not a good fixer upper person. What was that like for you? It was brutal. It was, uh, <laughs> man. Yeah. But, you know, we lived out of the van for seven months and, um, it was really fun, but it was also as I was trying to incorporate my fishing travels, and it was very difficult because I'm like, oh my god, we got to drive back to Casper, Wyoming, where my where my best friend Sammy lives, and I go because I left my both my nine weights there. Mm. I got, you know, it just got to the point, and I'm like, oh shoot, that my my other stuff is at mom's house in New Hampshire. Hmm. I'm like, honey, we have got to, you know, we talked about living out of the van for a couple of years. I'm like, you know, we actually need to have at least a small crummy little house where we can actually keep our stuff and uh yeah this area up here we're at and real estate was it's pretty inexpensive i would say oh, nice. wisconsin is is a very reasonable place although it's changed here too a lot even in the time we're looking yeah so we found this we found this house that looked beautiful on the internet we drove all the way up to wisconsin to look at it we were going to look at three or four of them which was mm-hmm. i had been through here a couple times earlier in the winter to look at stuff and didn't work out but we saw this beautiful house. We opened the door to walk in with a real estate agent and it smelled like somebody had been smoking seven packs oh, a day. Oh crap. And uh, yeah, it broke our heart and we, we were bummed because we really loved this place and the location was beautiful. The, the house itself needed a lot of work, but yeah. the property is incredible and it's on a cul-de-sac. So uh-huh. it's walking distance to town, which is what we always had in Victor because we, the couriers do like to go out and rally. So, yep. you know, it's nice to be able to walk. So we yep. went downtown <laughs> after our real estate agent. We were bummed. We went downtown and parked in front of this little bar and restaurant. It was actually called the Anglers. We went in and got lunch. And uh, the service, the lunch, and the new Glares, which is the Wisconsin beer, was so delicious. I looked across the table at my wife and I go, you know what we're going to do? And she goes, what? I go, we're going to leave the car parked here. and We're going to walk to that house we just looked at. See how long it takes us to walk to that house. And just get a feel for it. Well, uh-huh. the walk from the Angler's Bar took 13 minutes. 
which is nothing. Perfect. It's yeah. uh, 0.9 miles. I was measuring hmm. it on my phone. Mm-hmm. And along the walk, we just, you know, people were like out working in the yard and, you know, raking and everyone was so pleasant, said hi and this and that. Yeah. I'm like, that's what I like about the Midwest. And we got to the house and the neighbor was out raking. He was raking acorns. And uh, he looks over and he goes, how are you guys doing today? And we're like, yeah, we're doing good. And I'm like, this is a perfect opportunity to chat with the neighbor yep. and get a real feel. Oh, yeah. And uh, he recognized, he said, I think I saw you guys look at the house earlier today. And I'm like, it was us. He goes, I'm just going to tell you right now, this is the most beautiful place to live. And he went on and on. We went into huh. his house, had a coffee. And, and uh, I walked out and I said, I think for the price of this house, we can fix it up ourselves. Yeah. And uh, we did it. And you did and it. There we are. And it was hell. It was hell. It was hell. <laughs> Right. Yeah, but it's we're there now. It's great. Yeah. And now you're getting ready for I mean cuz there it's another level, right? Just like any of these places up north where you you can't uh, you got to be ready for the winter, right? Are you guys all ready for some cold temperatures coming here? Yeah. And uh you know it's it's you know global warming is a real deal. It's a lot milder mm. than when I lived here back in the 80s. Oh, right. Um it's it's 35 degrees right now. We only have, you know, 6 inches of snow on the ground, so it has not been a bad winter. And, I got home from a month in Baja a week ago today. My wife was with me. So we haven't had any winter yet. So right now we welcome the short days and a yeah. little bit of winter. We're looking forward to a snowstorm that's coming on Wednesday. So, yeah, it's cool. I'm looking at a rabbit in my backyard right now. It's, it's <laughs> good stuff. Awesome. That's good to hear. What's your, uh, just for the new home buyer, right? Somebody's out there. What would be a tip you give somebody that's looking to get, you know, something like you found, something cool and all that? Yeah, I would say... Uh, Number one, be patient. You know, we were mm. very patient. Um, number two, uh, as long as, you know, if you look at a really bad house and you find out the foundation is, is still good, which, you know, an inspector will tell you, then you have all kinds of potential. And that's pretty much the situation we got into. We're like, oh, my God, we'll never get the smoke out of here. Yeah. Well, we ripped all the carpet out and I yep. took down popcorn ceilings, two things I had never done in my entire life and yep. and aired it out all summer and you know, all of a sudden, September, the smoke was gone. So we put in new floors ourselves and did all the painting and, yeah, yep. ripped out the kitchen cabinets, put in new ones, I did all stuff I never, ever thought. I mean, I couldn't even pound a nail straight. Right. You know? Did you do the work yourself? Uh, we did a lot of it. We didn't do yeah. it all. I mean, I, and I won't say myself. Uh, yeah. Here's a funny thing, because I went to college in Ashland, which is 60 miles from here. And a lot of my college buddies settled in Wisconsin, and it so happens that my friend Tom Smedley, who I had not talked to in 30 years, he's the, the manager of Nelson Lumber here in town. Oh, wow. And uh, he was obviously excited that we we're moving here, and he has physically helped me with a lot of projects. We redid the outside of our foundation so that it looks nice. It was kind of just plywood, rotten plywood. We tore it all off and put on this cool metal and... I'm very satisfied with the, the way the project came out, but that was the worst project I've ever done in my life. And the worst part of it was the fact that I was not fishing. Instead, every night I was out working on my foundation with my friend. And, That's uh, right. Yeah, that killed me, but I don't have to do that next year. I'm fishing. You got it done. You got the fishing. Got it out of the way. That's cool. Right on. And uh, and heading back to Victor, just take us out of here. Um, if you think about, you know, like somebody's traveling there again for this, you know, kind of two-week trip, sometime in this this next summer is there a little uh like a little restaurant or some food you'd recommend is there something in, in there that you say you got to stop by this place oh uh, yeah i would say that uh you know when you're over in the henry's fork you got to go up to trout hunter 
mm-hmm. which is a bar and a restaurant and great food, great guys that work in there, everybody's fun. Um, and then down with Victor, I uh, mean, you get the Naughty Pine, you get the West Side, and you get the barbecue. I mean, those are my three favorites. And, you know, we alternate between those all our years living in Victor. Great places. Oh, perfect. Good, good. All right. We'll, we'll uh, put some links to those. And then, and then in Victor, is there, what is other than the fly fishing, what is the town? Is there a bunch of stuff to do? Is there, what did you guys do? What would be your thing if you weren't fishing, if you guys just went out and kind of had a night on the town, what would that be? Oh, well, I, would, I mean, I did a lot of hiking and I oh, did, yeah. you know, so in the summertime, I, you know, cause I work at home, I would always take, you know, between four and six before the wife got home, I would go on a hike somewhere, maybe knock off three or four miles or go for a run or something uh-huh. in the wintertime, cross country skiing and snowshoeing was fabulous. Right. Um, there's lots to do there. I mean, if you're into climbing, you can do that or just go kayaking on the, on the Teton or canoeing. I mean, it's, and again, it's only, uh, it was exactly 26 miles over to downtown Jackson hole. So yeah. Then you got Teton park and Yellowstone right at your fingertips as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got it all in all the the bison, right, and everything. It's uh, that whole area is just right there, right next door. Yep. Amazing. All right, Jeff. Well, uh, I think this has been a cool little update episode. I hope to uh, not wait, uh, you know, 350 episodes to get you back on. So maybe we'll maybe we'll circle around next year or so and, and see That'd if we get a little update on the Wisconsin. That's what I'd love to hear too, is just to see, like, we just had a guy, we had this came down from um, Minnesota. He was kind of Minnesota, Wisconsin, and he was fishing steelhead down. We were in Ohio, which again, just blows you away, right? Like, where is the fishing? Ohio yep. has great steelhead fishing. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't even probably know that. But, um, but yeah, it's a cool area, and, and maybe we'll just leave it there. And uh, thanks for all your time today. Pleasure. Thank you very much, Dave. Big thanks to Jeff for jumping in on this episode of Traveled, and a uh, big shout-out to Yellowstone Teton Territory, the Wet Fly Swing Podcast, and Swing Outdoors. This episode has been sponsored by Eastern Idaho's Yellowstone Teton Territory. You can support this podcast by clicking through at wetflyswing.com slash Teton and uh, and support any of the brands. If you're doing some traveling this year, planning a trip, check them out and you can check out some of the lodges, uh, some of the events and all the good stuff. We're going to be heading out there this year as well, doing some more trips in that part of the country. So excited to get over to the Teton area. Reminder, don't forget the Euro School we got going in this part of the country. This is a big event we have where if you've been interested in learning how to Euro nymph from some of the best and greatest uh, anglers who are top, top, not just in this country, but in the world, we've got those guides coming on to help teach the course, the class, and the Euro School. Before we get out here, let's take a quick peek over at that website. I'm going to click over right now and take a peek, and we're going to look at a couple things wetflyswing wetflyswing.com slash Teton let's take a peek we got the regions accommodations things to do let's look at the regions so we got Idaho Falls Island Park Ashton Rexburg St. Anthony Swan Valley Irwin Teton Valley and Reary Rigby Um, I'm just gonna take a peek today on accommodations let's see what we got here um, we got let's get comfortable lodging b&b rentals camping you know what what are we going to be doing i think we're going to be doing a little bit of all this let's look let's take a look just since we have let's look at camping there's a bunch we got uh, big springs campground shout out to them big springs campground we got wind willow rvs that might be a potential 
Get the RV. We got Sugar RV Park. We've got uh, Blowout Campground. Blowout Campground is located on Highway 26, 58 miles southeast of Idaho Falls. We got Pine Creek Campground, Aspen Grove Inn. Um, this is in Rigby. We got Bucks Gas and RV Park. Uh, we got uh, Lava Spa Motel and RV Park. That sounds interesting. Lava Spa. I like. I like the sound of that. Uh, rooms in Lava Hot Springs. There you go. So that might be the one right there. I think. I think we found it. Uh, at least one of the ones we're, we're definitely on the lookout. We also got Teton Canyon. I'm gonna click on the Lava Spa because I'm interested in looking at this. Let's see this. We got it. Um, here we go. This looks like it's right. Yeah, this is right. Uh, Lava Hot Springs. Um, this is in Lava Spa Motel, Main Street, Lava Hot Springs, and it's in uh, Bannock County. This is good. This is really cool. I'm going to click on this map. I'm going to drill in a little bit deeper. Yes, there is a cool, this looks like a really, really cool place. Amazing stuff. Get directions. Uh, this is West Soda Springs. Zoom out. Pocatello. So this is like southeast of Pocatello. Uh, so this is awesome. This is super awesome. I, uh, all right, so there's our shout out for the day. I'm gonna dig into that more and uh, and we're gonna hopefully actually get somebody from the Lava Springs Hotel on this podcast. This is fun. All right, I'm gonna get out of here. I uh, hope you enjoyed that little snippet as much as I did and I am excited to uh, follow up with this and, uh, and I'm excited for the next episode of Traveled. This is episode number one of Traveled and we're gonna be doing this for a good part of the year moving forward if you have a good um a good place that we haven't connected with here in this part of idaho and eastern idaho or if you have an idea for a, a region in the country that you'd like us to dig into definitely check in with me always love to get the feedback and always love to hear how we're doing with this show where are you traveling at the end of this year, when we look back and we say, where have we traveled? What is going to be that one big place that you're going to look back and be like, I loved that I did this this year. This was a huge one. So uh, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear where you're traveling uh, this summer, uh, this winter, this spring. Um, give me a shout out, Dave at wetflyswing.com. And let me know. Let me know you heard this traveled episode and you're liking it. And, uh, and let me know where you're traveling. I'll give you a shout out on one of these upcoming episodes. Uh, if we get a chance, would love to hear from you. All right. I hope you are traveling and I hope you get your travel on. I hope you're, I hope you're well-traveled. Um, we're traveling. Let's go traveling. Traveled. Traveling. We need the outro music. Traveled. Traveled. All right. I'll see you later. Have a good travel. Safe travels. Happy travels. Happy trails. Happy travels. All right. Bye. Traveled. Traveled.